And welcome back to yet another Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line, film, TV, on occasion music, stage, directors, writers, composers, actors, screenwriters, cinematographers, sound design, sound editors, editing, uh, costumers, production design, and more. Um... You can find me 24-7 in print and online on BehindTheLensOnline.net. But every Monday, I am right here on AdrenalineRadio.com, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And then during the week, hey, if you miss our shows live, you can find every single one of them, almost five years worth. Well, yes, almost five, starting on, we'll be moving into five years, uh, not too long from now. So, but you can find every show on BehindTheLensOnline.net. Every show is also on uh, our YouTube channel. Uh, Then also on Stitcher, Indie Popcorn FM, and iTunes. Uh, And we have audio and video. So, check us out. Um, because we've had many repeat talent on the show, uh, which is always fun. And today, as a matter of fact, it's going to be very fun because we have three legends that are going to be joining us live at the quarter hour mark. Number one, you most notably known for her role on 30-something for years. Actress turned director Melanie Mayron is with us live to talk about her new film, Snapshots. Joining her, Brooke Adams, who stars in Snapshots. And a living legend for my money, for classic film fans, Piper Laurie is also in Snapshots. And she's going to be joining us live. So we're going to have those three lovely ladies with us in probably another 12, 13, uh, 12, 13 minutes. And I can't wait. And what's so fun in talking about snapshots is one of the, one of the other co-stars of the film is Emily Goss. And Emily, many of our regular listeners will recall, has done our show before, most notably for The House on Pine Street. So we are always, we have less than six degrees of separation when it comes to behind the lens. But before we start talking snapshots, we're going to talk about a film that I am in love with. It is exquisite. And for my money, hopefully this is going to garner some Oscar buzz for Kelly McDonald. Uh, Kelly has been around for quite a while. She has done voicing. She has done acting. She is brilliant. The camera loves her. She is luminous. But now she gets a starring vehicle directed by Mark Turtletaub with script by our friend Oren Moberman. Um, the film co-star, in addition to Kelly, co-stars Irfan Khan. Ladies, get hold of yourselves. Uh, and David Denman. Uh, it's an incredible character study. It is actually based on, it's adapted from an Argentinian film. Um, there's a timeless quality to it and not defined by the trappings of the zeitgeist of any era. And this is a journey of discovery and finding oneself. Uh, as Kelly's character of, of Agnes, she is anybody from the East Coast, Philly, New Jersey, New York, you're going to get this right away. An Italian South Philadelphia family. Um, generational, the how you, you live in the same, after you get married, you're still living in the house that your parents owned and that your grandparents owned. And that in many instances, the old world customs of the wife stays home and takes care of the family, uh, cooks the food and for family run businesses, does the books while the husband does the work. Um, and that is Kelly's role as Agnes to David Denman's role as Louie, her husband. She fades into the background. She fades into the wallpaper. Um, You could be walking around a room and trip over her and not realize that she was there. But then she finds a love for crossword puzzles, for jigsaw puzzles, and actually travels into the city of New York to a puzzle store after she received a puzzle for her birthday. 
and becomes intrigued by an advertisement for someone looking for a puzzle partner. And that someone turns out to be a man named Robert, played by Irfan Khan. And the two strike up an amazing friendship through building jigsaw puzzles. The metaphor that unfolds, because with jigsaw puzzles, all the pieces fit together. And when it's done, every, pu every puzzle piece has its place and everything is perfectly edged and it's uh, beautiful, unlike life. But through this journey that Agnes goes on, thanks to Robert opening her eyes, she finds herself and she sees that there's actually a world out there. It is understated. It is incredible. And it's in theaters in New York and L.A. this Friday and then opening wider thereafter. This is one of my award-worthy films for the year. So why don't we take a listen to what director Mark Turtletob had to say when I sat down with him in an exclusive interview and we started out talking about where does this come from? Because his visuals are so telling. Uh, Rochelle Berliner's production design is outstanding. But for Mark, it all starts on the page and with Oren Moverman's word. So take a listen. How do you take the simplicity of the words on the page mm -hmm. and then create this visual world in which this plays out? And bring in all that metaphor mm -hmm. of life. Well, I think it starts with, you've said it, it starts with having a great cinematographer and having a similar vision for the film. When I first, I didn't know Chris before, we sat down and interviewed a few cinematographers and I described what I was interested in and we talked about references and we both talked about this movie, Ida, uh, which is not a, it's not shot the same way, but there are there's a formalism and there's a there's a there's a, st a structural way in which it's shot that I like very much. And Chris immediately took out his references, and that was one of the references he took out. He had three or four pictures from that, and we just spoke the same language. So it starts there, uh, and then it continues on as you work in terms of shot listing and then how you visualize it. But we both talked about that fact that we wanted the Bridgeport house since you're dealing with interiors of two houses. How do you make it feel different? Mm. And so it begins by blowing smoke in, having light coming, filtering through, having furniture that feels like it's been there forever, having costume which intentionally matches the wallpaper, not in the Garden State kind of way, but right. in a subtle subliminal way that she can meld into the background. Mm -hmm. And you start her off where it feels like 1950s in silhouette, yeah. and then gradually you begin to see her coming into modern times. So all that is really, uh, it's wonderful work by Chris Knorr. And then when you get to New York City, what, what to contrast that, we found this fabulous house but it was filled with furniture. I mean, as, as amazing as that house is now, it was overly filled with, I mean, incredible furniture. Mm -hmm. We had to put it in, in, you know, we had to put it away and get lots of insurance on it. Oh. And then we took it all out because I wanted the sense that he, Robert, was this lonely guy. Wife has left him. He's banging around in this big empty house. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get a sense of that. So it really contrasted. And no smoke blown into the house. Just open and wide and so you got a sense just as her life was opening up you got that visual sense so it begins mm -hmm. there long-winded answer about oh, um, it's a beautiful about answer. about the about the visual uh, sensibility but and then and then it's the casting yeah it's the second piece and you said how do you bring these words alive and you know it's it's uh, it's it's the old story about uh, the Lubitsch touch mm -hmm. you know the old story about the Lubitsch touch I think he was being interviewed by Dick Cavett. Do you know that story? I do know that story. Okay, so it's sort of a little bit of touch. You don't you you get yourself surrounded by really good, smart people, and that includes your actors, and you allow them to bring in what they can bring in, and I think that's the second part mm -hmm. of it. Well, and I think what's so, what really stands out with the New York House, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is the clarity, the sharpness, and yeah. the polish that yeah. Chris shoots in. Yeah. Because while it's allowing Kelly's character of Agnes to breathe, 
at the same time, everything is crystal clear. It's not heavy. It's crystal clear to Robert, and it allow, it allows her to open her eyes and see without the fog of the past. That's great. Yeah. Just so beautifully designed. Yeah, I think so, and that's it's also Rochelle Berliner. Uh, in addition to Chris, uh, I, Rochelle I hadn't worked with before. She did the production design on Precious, which is one of those production designs. I think, like, wow, what unusual choices she made mm-hmm. in this down-and-out house. She's got this beautiful wallpaper, and it, somehow it worked. And so I started to talk with her, and I went, yeah, you, you, I want to work with you. And we hit it off in the same way that I hit it off with Chris. And, uh, and she... We, that's how we came up with a metallic wallpaper for the house, and uh, and then we worked with a costume designer, Mirren, and it and worked together. We can't tell you how many times we held fabrics up against the wall to see just for that one scene, the birthday scene, mm-hmm. where you could feel like she was blending right into the wall. Mm-hmm. But going beyond the visual design, you know. A lot of people, you know Mark Turtletop, he's, he's directed one other feature before, God's Behaving Badly. He was writer-director on that. But you know him best for his producing. He is the man that exposed Colin Trevorrow to us with Safety Not Guaranteed. He is the driving force behind Sunshine Cleaning, Our Idiot Brother, Little Miss Sunshine, Laws of Attraction. But so he knows a good script when he sees one. So what was it about this script for puzzle that made him jump back in the director's chair made this the right piece for him to get behind take a listen i'm curious what was it about this script when it came across your desk that said mark you must direct me mm-hmm. and then what was that hurdle like mm-hmm. even though you've directed before mm-hmm. it's been a while mm-hmm. But it has to be something pretty special that's going to get you back into that direction. Yeah, yeah, it's well said. Yeah, it has to be special. And there, it always begins with the written word. Uh, so I, and that's for all the films that we've produced. The written word is what leads us, whether it's Everything is Illuminated by Leah Schreiber, which was beautifully written, uh, to uh, Loving by Jeff Nichols, all these, these you know, safety you mentioned. Uh, Little Miss Sunshine. These are great writers. These are really great. And Megan, and Megan Sunshine Clean. These are great screenplays. And they don't come along every day. When you get them and there's no director attached, that's rare. So I had two friends send it over and said, I think you might want to direct this. And so you read great writing. Then you read a subject matter, which we don't see. A woman over the age of 40 finding her authentic voice and having uh, a rippling effect on her family, you don't see those. I mean, you're beginning to see, you know, the three billboards and movies like that for Fran McDormand last year, which I really liked. But there's not that many. There's lots of movies for men over 40, not so many for women. And there's not one with a journey of a coming of age that late in life. Thank you. That's exactly what... So it's not just that she's centered around her, but that she's horizons are opening up and that interests me and then on a personal level I just happened to have a mother that uh, was very much like that and so when I read it you know people say well, how can a man make a movie about a woman well you know I read it and I went I know that woman I, I was raised by that woman and in suburban uh, New Jersey not suburban Kinetic but it was the same story so all those these three things kind of lined up the intellectual and the emotional for me and drew me to it, and I'm really glad I made it. And I'm exceedingly glad that Mark chose to make this film. And, you know, something that's very key that really struck me uh, with the script, this is the first script from Warren Moverman that we have seen uh, written from the, the, the female perspective, the female POV, and that's what I really love about Oren as a screenwriter, as a director, because even when he's writing, he he can look at things with a visual eye. But he is also so in tune and so adept, so adept at gauging the emotional zeitgeist, the timelessness, um, be it a man or a woman. And it is just an amazing, amazing job by him with this script. Um, and let's see, Pam is 
Pam's playing with the phone right now as our lovely ladies are calling in. Um, so I'm just going to chatter here for a minute since we can't really, she can't get to the board and the phone system at the same time because her arms aren't quite long enough. So we're waiting for one more lovely lady. Um, what do you think, Pam? Should we bring should we bring Melanie and Brooke on and then when Piper calls in, we can you can bring her in? All right, why don't we do that? We are going to bring on right now, we're gonna welcome two fabulous ladies to the show while we wait for the third one. First of all, the incredible Melanie Mayron. Hello, Melanie. Welcome to Behind the Lens. Thank you so much. I am beyond excited to have you on the show. Um, let me just oh, let me mention a, a mutual part of our past. Do you remember the Cutners? Yeah. Susie, Steffi, Nance, Maya. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my next door neighbors. Growing up, my whole life. Debbie, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> That is crazy. Yep. You were oh, you were I, you were a part a topic of conversation quite often. Pat used to love to bring your name up about their friend Melanie, you know, she's she's on 30 something. So <laughs> Yeah, Pat, God bless her. <laughs> and then you went and you directed an episode of SEAL Team with David Boreanaz. And that's right. And David, his dad, Dave Roberts, worked with my dad for over 40 years at Channel 6. And we're, oh my and, God, that's insane. So, yeah, so we're really doing like two degrees of separation here today. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to you about the partners when we get off the, off the interview. Of course. And Brooke, <laughs> oh, the, the wonderful. Yeah. Hello, Brooke. Brooke, the woman I first took notice of in the Lucy Arnaz Black Dahlia film, still to this wow. day, still to this day, my favorite <laughs> cinematic exploration of the Black Dahlia. Wow. I, ki I, I kid you not. And then, of course, uh, I see we have the legendary Piper. Lori is now with us. Hi, Piper. Hi. Good morning. This is, <laughs> this is, I am beyond excited to have all three of you on Behind the Lens today. I'm even more excited right. that, that Brooke and Piper, that you're working with Melanie, you know, a fellow hometown gal. So, you know, this makes this a really, really special show for me. And I'm and watching snapshots, ladies, this is beautiful, beautiful work. It's it's oh, great. I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. Oh my god. Yeah. Melanie, what you do with your cinematographer um is just with Michael Negrin in capturing Piper on camera, the stillness, the deliberateness of silence and just capturing her face, it just speaks volumes through the whole film. It, it is, it, well, it's masterful. That, that's Piper's brilliance, too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right, Piper? Good morning. <laughs> I got. I Hi Piper. Hi Melanie. <laughs> Hi Brooke. Hi Piper. <laughs> Hi, is that Brooke? Yes. Hi Piper. Hi. Hi. I mean, did you think? <laughs> hey, come on, Piper. I'm not just going to have one of you. I got to have a a whole flock of you of you here. This is this is just this is a real treat having all three of you. You know, I am curious. Snapshots is such a multi-generational film. It is a mother-daughter film. It is a film about love. It is a film about secrets, our past, the future. You know, what drew each of you to this film in your respective capacities? Let me, let me start. Who got this first? Melanie, did you get this first and then bring in your old 30-something buddy, Brooke? Or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was given the script uh, a couple of years before this and was um, 
you know, in development, we were just trying to hone the script and get the story really to what we wanted. But um, then we certainly, we reached out to Piper and who I've been a fan of forever and to Brooke, my old pal, who I put in everything I do. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your way of saying Brooke has to stay on your good side so she can keep working? Well, yeah. I know that already. <laughs> she doesn't have she's to tell me. Fine without me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, besides, and obviously, Brooke, you're not just going to take on a project just because Melanie is directing it or writing it. You know, what spoke to you with the script and the character of Patty? Because I've got to say, you have Patty down perfectly as the mother that we all want to run the opposite direction from. <laughs> Well, that's what it kind of intrigued me. I've always, um, in my career, but first of all, you're wrong. I would just do it for Melanie. Are you kidding? My career depends on her. So I have to do it for (laughs) Melanie. But aside from that, the part was intriguing because I spent so long in my career trying to be charming all the time and trying to, you know, flash a winning smile and make everybody love me and this part is not like that and so that was fun Uh, that was challenging and um and i'm always up for a challenge yeah and and what about for you Mm. piper when you saw this script what drew you in i mean you are a woman three oscar nominations you've played opposite paul newman you've played with donald o'connor Tony Curtis, Cliff Robertson. I mean, the creme de la creme of the golden age of Hollywood. You continually work, you know, and then this little this little gem comes your way and you say yes. So uh, I'm curious, what what was the big attraction for you? I think, I think I'm attracted to a script and I get very few of them that have this quality of, of um, Respecting human dignity and um, common humanity, and and um, so I really I couldn't turn it down. I mean, I just... and also I've never worked with Melody, and although I've admired her as an actress for years, um, and Brooke was someone in my life years and years. I knew her when she was a little girl. Oh, <laughs> yes, I love Piper that. Got my mother and father, even. Oh my God! All right. Yeah. Oh my God! She said. She said you knew her mother and father, Piper. Yes. Well, I met her mother, but I knew her father. He booked a summer stock tour for me. And wow. in the course of that, we had a mutual friend who brought me over to their house. And Brooke and her sister were sort of dancing around the living room, three little kids. And um, I was I was very aware of of Brooke and thought that she's got a very special quality. <laughs> <laughs> and and here she still does. And, he, and now she gets, she, she gets to play your daughter in Snapshots. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty two degrees of separation, too, it's, isn't it? It sure is. Wow. And then when I, read, when I read Piper's autobiography, which is a wonderful book, if anyone is interested, it's called uh, Speaking Out Loud. What was it? Um, what is it called? You're out of yeah. Oh, it's called <laughs> learning to live out loud. Ah, right, learning okay. to live out loud. It is so wonderful, but it's also there were like a million places where we overlapped. I mean, she lived with the man uh, on and off that was who brought her to our house, and he lived with us on and off, and it was just a very I, I felt like Piper's and my life have been sort of on a similar track. So that was really interesting oh. to see. Oh, my God. Well, let me ask you, since since Piper, since you knew Brooke as a little girl, and now you're playing mother and daughter, 
I'm curious, how did the two of you, how much rehearsal did Melanie give you for the two of you get to get nothing. into that mother? No, yeah, nothing. nothing. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe in rehearsal. <laughs> really? Okay. Now I'm curious. Yeah. Now I'm curious, Melanie, because I know some directors they want to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Others they just want to throw everybody in front of the camera and run with it. So I'm curious. Well, your, your you know, thoughts. Piper and Brooke are are so talented, and they were, you know, just so much. I thought the characters. Plus, we were a low budget film. We didn't have a lot of time for rehearsal. Brooke was in New York. Piper and I were out here in Los Angeles. So, you know, just getting rehearsal dates prior to it would have been tricky, too, with everybody's schedule. But I find that the material really comes alive, you know, the, the less you do. I think it's just pressure. Mm-hmm. What is your average number? I mean, it's different in theater. It's different on the, it's different on the stage. You need to rehearse. But with film, the camera captures so much up close and it just captures what people were thinking and sort of the moment. So I, I just would rather it be as fresh as possible. You know, and that is truly what you do, especially with Piper's character, especially with Rose. Um, you just let the camera linger on her, on her face. And, and really you do every once in a while, there's a knowing or a, a questioning look in her eye or just a, a hint of a smile <laughs> And it's so exquisite to just watch that and experience it. And, you know, I think in a situation like that, I think you're absolutely right that you just let it happen. And that it, had you done rehearsals, it would have just lost the spontaneity and the genuineness of those moments. Right. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know now you're... True. Oh! You know, you're also dealing with younger talents here. Um, and I have to say, Emily Goss is, she is just, blows it out of the water here. She is amazing as Louise. Isn't she a lovely actress? Yes. Oh, my God. And then you've got Shannon Collis, who plays a young Rose. I, you know, how did, you know, how did you feel, Piper? Number one, Melanie, how difficult was it casting somebody to play a younger Piper Laurie? Um, but, and then Piper, how was it for you to watch somebody who theoretically is playing a younger version of you in character? Um, Piper, you answered first. I didn't really see much of the shooting of the, of the young girls. Um, right. And you know, it. I think it's best that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very hard to see. Oh, yes, I was like that. <clears throat> um, so I avoided it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what happened was we were, it was really like we were shooting two movies two movies and when I shot everything in the past it was and we did most of it the first week because um, Brett Dyer who played D was only available for the first seven days of the shoot so we had to get him out we shot all of that with whatever we had to shoot at the lake because we were also at the lake the first three days and that was it but otherwise once the first seven days were done what was left was everything with Piper and Brooke and Emily Baldoni, who played the granddaughter, Allison, and then whatever scenes that were just between young Rose and Louise in the past. Mm-hmm. So it really, once once I got Piper and Brooke on the set, I was like, oh my God, this is like a whole other movie. <laughs> and a lot of times I would say to Piper for her close-up, okay, we just did, and I would sort of describe what the other actors had done, you know, and that's what she's remembering. So you know, Piper wasn't there for it, so she just had to imagine it all. Wow. And uh, did a phenomenal job. You but know, we got the casting of Emily Goss and Shannon Collis through uh, Jan Coran, our producer and writer of the script. She found them uh, through friends and found Shannon Collis on Instagram or on IMDb. I don't know. She was looking for somebody that looked like Piper Young, and she found her, and <laughs> 
Shannon came down. She'd been in Vancouver and auditioned. And Emily Goss had starred in a movie, The House on Pine Street. Mm-hmm. And she came in and auditioned. And I just thought they were amazing. Yeah, I mean, I love Emily. Emily's been on the show, I think, twice already um, since she, for House of Pine Street and for something else. Um, so I, I absolutely huh. adore her. Now, I'm curious for you, Brooke, working with Emily Baldoni as mother-daughter, you're, you are the linchpin in between grandma and granddaughter. Um, so you really get, you get to play the mother, you get to play a daughter. And I have to say the chemistry between you and Emily is outstanding. Your dynamic is beyond believable. Oh, good. Well, good. I, I just thought she was amazing. I mean, I, I, uh, for me, she, but of course she's my daughter, so I would say this, but for me, she is, you know, she sort of steals the movie, but, um, uh, you know, and I think my character, like all mothers, really wants her to like me because she's so fantastic, but it's just, uh, I don't know how to approach it. You know, I keep making big gaffes and as mothers tend to do. So, um, I loved working with her, though. I just think she's amazing and so beautiful, and, you know, I loved it. Oh, I mean, the two of you, uh, it, it was just phenomenal watching this mother-daughter relationship unfold. And similarly, um, between you and Piper, uh, especially I mean, the morning after the night of wine and the look on Piper's face as, you know, you're sitting there trying to drink coffee, and she's got to bring yeah. up, you know, now you don't need coffee. You know, this is from the wine the night before. And it, just the look right. on her face, it's the look I think every single person has seen at one point or another in their lives from their mother. And it was, uh, it was fabulous. Yeah. Boy, I have to see this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. You're really good in it, You're Piper. You're fantastic in it. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those... I mean, this this is one of those quiet little gems and that just comes along every once in a while where everything, the stars align perfectly uh, from the production design, from your location, which is beautiful, um, to your cast. I mean, everything just comes together and it has such a natural, res- genuine, resonant feel to it. And it's not often that I see, that I see films like that. And, you know, it just, I've already watched it twice. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Wow. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, actors can watch this, and it is truly, it's a master class in acting, watching you, Brooke, and watching you, Piper, um, for, minimal, Thank you. Wow. For, for minimalism, for quiet, for... Uh, containment really all that nuance that goes into performance and every actor would should kill to see your performances in this film oh thank you wow i love you (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm not just saying it because melanie directed it uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's you a- know what i was watching i i was watching one screening and i was thinking boy i really really paced this film slow you know but i wanted it to have that summer weekend you know a weekend in a summer i mean there was so many things now they're they're cut very quickly mm-hmm. the pace is very quick but this just wasn't that and i i you know the work was and it was interior work for everybody, and it was a stillness for everybody. And the, you know, the soft rippling of the lake is sort of a metaphor for what was going on. So, yeah, I mean, there. You know, and I'm an actor. It's like I don't want to cut away from somebody that's doing good work. I want to stay there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm curious. How is it for you, Piper and Brooke, to be working for a director who is also a working actor? Piper, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful! You you don't have to explain anything. Yeah, exactly what I would yeah. say. Yeah, I mean they're they're the best directors. Yeah, and actors are great. And you know, for you, Melanie, because you you've been vacillating between TV and film 
since you started directing, actually, I mean, the first episode, your first directing when you were doing 30-something, um, and you have seamlessly mm-hmm. gone between, you know, have you developed a rhythm or a preference between film or TV so that you can have a pacing much like you were able to have with this film, with Snapshots? You know, the, the, the thing with television is that you're always directing somebody else's vision and somebody else's show. And you sort of, you know, your role is to try to give them their show, but also put, in your, put your stamp on it in some way, but still make it their show. And what's great about film is it can be your vision. You know, it can be what you want without having to get somebody else's approval or, and like, for example, we changed a lot of lines in the script when we were shooting. Piper wanted to say things differently. Brooke wanted to say things, you know, everybody did. They just want to make the dialogue more their own. And they would just tell me and I would go, okay, you know, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but if this was a TV show or a bigger budget movie, you know, you would have to run every, every question and every change by somebody else. And this was amazing because it was just us. We just got to do what we wanted, all of us. And that was, don't you think, Piper and Brooke, that was what was so amazing about it? Yes. 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 I mean, yes. There, weren't all these, there weren't all these suits by the monitors, you know, nodding yes or no that we yeah, had to run exactly. through. Yeah, exactly. just us. And also, Melanie is so, so wonderfully collaborative and, and flexible that, it was just, it was a great atmosphere for work. You know, I'm curious for all of you. Um, it's not often that we see a female-driven film like this, with emotionality like this, with depth, with substantive story and subtext that is filled with metaphor. We've got a female director, female writer, female producers, an amazing female cast, not to diss on the males in the film who are excellent. Um, but I'm, but I'm curious how that, how you like that atmosphere of really getting to put the, the female perspective and the female voices out there in something that is beyond a lifetime television movie. Great. I'm thrilled. (laughs) I'm thrilled to do that. I'm writing now, so I've written a play that's pretty female-driven. And, um, yeah, I think it's high time. Yeah and, yeah, and yes, Piper, what about for you? Because since you actually started in the business back in, when we still had the studio system and everything was very controlled, and you've gone all the yeah. way through in television, film, stage, you know, is this something that is refreshing for you? That is not just a cookie cutter piece, as I said. Like, and I love Lifetime movies, so nobody needs to come down on me. None of the listeners need to say I love Lifetime movies. But you know, some, when something elevates beyond television, and you want to see it on the on the big screen, that's that's important. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. Would you phrase your question again? You know, I'm, I'm, you know, how exciting is it for you, you know, having gone through so many in iterations and incarnations of television, film, from the studio system to now, you know, how exciting is it to have a piece like this with a female voice in every aspect of the film that elevates it beyond just being a made-for-TV movie? that actually is is big screen worthy because we don't we don't see it that often the nature of schedule i didn't have time to think about it that much i just responded Mm. to the script in an emotional way and Mm. uh, i wanted to be part of it i've i've wished that i'd had a little more preparation time because i'd like to know my dialogue before we start to shoot and uh, but there was just no way to, to postpone, and I wanted to be part of it. So it was. Um, I didn't think that much about it. I just um, believed the story, and uh, 
wanted to be there. So now, with the exception of the weather. <laughs> uh oh. Yes. Uh oh. Yeah, right. What happened? Yeah, what happened with that? We had a heat spell we last a, summer. Yeah, we were in a brutal heat wave. The first, well, most of the we shot for fifteen days, and it was it was just brutal. It was like hundred and twelve degrees. We were outside. The humidity was really high. In the valley, everybody was suffering. Oh. Okay, yeah. I mean, Brooke, you just capitalized in the valley. So, okay, that's like 20 yeah. that's 20 or 30 degrees hotter yeah. than anywhere else. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Now, you know, the big question, yeah. the big question is Piper, did you know how to fish going into this and did you take any or did you have to take fishing lessons? Oh, that's funny. Oh god. <laughs> Well, you know, years and years mm. ago, I used to be a fisher person, <gasps> and uh, my boyfriend who and his his sons, we all used to go fishing every weekend. But I haven't done it in so many years, and I thought I was better than I found myself being on the set. Uh-huh. But, but, I, but somebody you complimented good, me the Piper. other day and said, "Oh boy, you looked really, you looked very experienced," and I was thrilled. Maybe more than about my acting, I guess. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you, Piper. I mean, you look like a total, like a natural, like a natural fisher person there. The way you toss the line out, the way you're sitting. I mean, just perfect. A retiree sitting by a lake bank fishing. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I, I was looking forward to showing off. And then I was appalled because the never had a equipment like that. And I was so afraid it would seem awkward. But I'm glad I got away with it. Thank you. Oh, you know, was that, <laughs> was that part of your casting requirements, Melanie, that you find somebody who might be able to fish? <laughs> no, but when, I, when Piper and I were talking about the part, she told me, and I, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the similarities between her and the character. We were both laughing about it. I said, well, Maybe if there was ever a role that had your name on it, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, without giving away spoilers to the film, I want to ask each of your ladies, because we do go on, we have two big reveals, really big reveals in the third act of the film. So I'm curious what your thoughts were when, as you're reading the script and you get to these big reveals about the past and the present, um, they fe- there was a time that I don't think you could have made this film, Melanie, um, because oh, because of the content, because of those twists. But oh yes, yes. In your hands, it is so elegantly done, and told, and visualized. Um, hats off to you for that. Um, so I'm I'm curious what each of you thought when you saw these two big twists that come up in the third act. I thought, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Do something. Well, we were so about it not being able couldn't have made it years ago. I remember doing a live television show and I was playing a pregnant woman who, who wanted an abortion. And um, we not only couldn't say abortion, or we really, really spell out what the need was. I couldn't even use the word pregnant. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. That's amazing. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. how how is this for you, Melon? You get a script like this, and you see the twists that the script takes. And then you have to figure out how you're going to visualize this, how you're going to convey the emotionality of this without making well, it I cheesy. Part, I was part of, of getting it to that point. So it wasn't like it came to me that way. We, we sort of developed it into that um, because we were going to make a movie. And I kept saying, what happens on this weekend? Why are we watching this weekend as opposed to another weekend? You know, big stuff has to happen this weekend. And mm-hmm. so that's what we were developing for the year and a half to get the script really ready to be a film. Um, 
so yeah, I wanted that kind of stuff in there. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth making. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the things that that sets it apart from just being a made-for-TV movie and elevates it right to the big screen. And so much of that, in addition to the script itself and the performances from you know from Emily Goss and from Shannon, is your cinematography is what you and Michael do with the cinematography. You have a montage in there of just the two girls um, with no no dialogue, but it's that one sequence where they're running through the woods. You've got them on the back of a car with their kids sneakers. Um, it's so beautifully done, and then you tweak the visual just enough so we have a very filmic sense that feels dated. It feels like 1950, and it is so... You know, when we were shooting, Michael, the DP, said, I'm going to bring in my Canon 5D, and I think when we're shooting scenes with Piper and Brooke and Emily, you should get Shannon and Emily Goss and get them in clothes and shoot, just improvise some stuff because I don't think we're going to have enough footage because our lighting took a long time. We only had 15 days, and he was nervous that I wouldn't have enough material for transitions and things in the film. So my son Miles' best friend, Wade Stanton, who's a fledgling director, they were both they just graduated high school. No, yeah, they had graduated high school. Um, Wade... took the camera and he and I ran around with them and did improvisational things that we shot and then I had to go in and shoot with Piper and Brooke and Emily and so he wound up doing some stuff on his own and that's all the footage we had so it's uh, a testament to our younger filmmakers on the rise as well Wade got some wonderful stuff oh my god it's beautiful And and it's beautifully cut together yeah, well, we got it. I kept saying to my editor, let's cut all the scripted material first, make sure the story works, and then let's find a place to put this. And and because what it was was it, it sort of filled out their relationship mm-hmm. without them being the dialogue scenes. We got to really see the flavor of what their weeks and days stolen at the lake were like. Yeah, and, and then on top of that... You've got a beautiful score from David Michael Frank and then some perfect, perfect needle drops peppered in. I mean, just, you know, on every level. And, I mean, David's score is, it is, it's lovely. That's the word for it. It's subtle and lovely, much like those ripples in that lake. Um, And And contemporary. I said to him, I don't want some schmaltzy, you know, people at the lake you know, old stuff. You know, I want something contemporary. I wanted to have the anxiety and the tension of the weekend. You know, I and I wanted solo piano. He's a piano player, and um, I really wanted that as well. So, oh yeah, I mean, when you hear just the individual notes, it's so lovely. It really is lovely, and it just it just heightens the the emotion that we're watching and, and feeling unfold. I mean, just, you left no stone unturned on this film, I have to say. I mean, you really, it's, it's. I've seen so much of your work, Melanie, and I have to say this is easily one of my all-time favorites. Well, thank you so much. You know, I mean, for all of you, uh, it's like, so now that the film is about to break out for everyone to see it beyond the festival circuit where it has received tons of accolades, um, I'm curious what each one of you took away from the experience of making this film, of making Snapshots. I didn't understand what you what? I'm sorry. I'm having a little trouble hearing. Uh-oh. Here, but- what did you take away from the experience of making this particular film? You personally, what did you take away from this? Especially you, Brooke, because this is unlike most 90% of the performances you've done in your career. Yeah. Um, to be honest, you know, the experience is so much uh, beyond the artistic endeavor. It's it's really about a whole community coming together and 
working together and having seeing that that either work or not work. It's a it's for me it's my lifeblood, this community of actors and, and technicians and everything coming together to make a piece of art. So I just came away thinking, wow, I love working with women and uh this is so much fun. I mean it was just mm-hmm. it was a, a joyous experience. Yeah, and, and what about for you, Piper? What did you take away from this experience? You know, all these female voices coming together for this beautiful work. I was struck by, in a couple of scenes, how, how much um, Brooke and Emily Baldoni affect me and and how something was operating in me that was kind of new and I was able mm. to do something that I surprised me. Um, mm. So it yeah. was a beautiful experience for me. Was it better um, than working with Paul Newman? That kindness for the other actors. <laughs> was it better, Piper, than working with Paul Newman? <laughs> <laughs> You're on the spot now. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what, what about what about for you, Melanie? What did you take away personally? Take away from the experience of making snapshots? Well, for me, um, I've been doing. It has been a lot of years since my last feature, and. It was something I was desperate. I, I, I needed to have an experience like this, or part of me was like I was getting close to being a little bit at the end of my rope. Um, I yearn for this kind of creativity and working with, you know, the acting ensemble that we had and everybody being so at the top of their game. So it was really an amazing experience for me. I think just one of the best I've ever had in my career well it it shows on screen you know it really does show on screen and now the film opens in LA on Friday New York as well uh no just LA just LA and then will we be going beyond that after next week it's going to be um available on August 14th for streaming it's already uh, you can pre-buy the DVD on Amazon. So they're taking orders, and everybody will be able to get to see it as of August 14th. Now, do we have any DVD extras like Piper teaching people how to fish? Anything like that to look forward to? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's our next movie, Piper. <laughs> you could do a how-to. Oh, Piper, <laughs> Piper Laurie teaches us how to fish. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> Ladies, I can't we, thank you. Go ahead, go ahead, Melanie. No, no, no. I, I, I was going to, no, nothing. It's great. <laughs> great. Very funny. Well, I would love to see the three of you team up and work on something else again. Um, because I... Oh, okay. <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> I, I think the dynamic, <laughs> the collaboration that you that you have on screen and off is so incredible and I just I think the three of you should do something else together um, because it really really it works the chemistry works so thank you that's my two cents (laughs) thank you ladies thank you so so much this has been an absolute delight having all three of you on the show today and Melanie, you can get all of my information. Annie, the public, Annie can give you all of my contact information, and we can gossip about Good, Plymouth. We can gossip about Plymouth meeting in Norristown. Um, Perfect, <laughs> guys. Thank you so so thank much, you. and I look thank forward you. to talking to all of you again in the future. Thanks, Great. thanks, thank guys. Bye, Melanie. Bye, Brooke. Bye, Piper. See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 
And that was Melanie Mayron, Piper Laurie, and Brooke Adams talking about snapshots in theaters in L.A. this Friday, the 27th, and then in August, available on DVD, and it's streaming. And, you know, are you hearing the buzz that I'm hearing, Pam? Okay, well... Our, our beloved radio station owner, Nick, has to fix this crackle. <laughs> we have a crackle on our end. You don't have a crackle out there, listeners. We have a crackle on our end. So, what should we do? Oh, well, let's see. Do we have time to do the last clip from Mark Turtletop on Puzzle? All right. We're going to go. It's, it's a puzzle here on Behind the Lens today, people. Um, so we're going to go jump back into puzzle mode. And there's one more clip um, from director Mark Turtletaub where he and I talked about the emotional texture and the timeliness and the timelessness of this film. So take a listen as we wrap up the show with that. The emotional texture, Mark. Mm. You really bring emotional layers and depth. Mm. to this and it's a great commentary also it's very timely um, in terms of relationships today mm. and the lack of connection mm. and you know the kids want her to have, have a cell phone be on a cell phone well that can be just as disconnecting <laughs> as being in your own house and nobody realizes you're there and nobody really sees who you are and except all, maybe Ziggy Ziggy sees right. Uh, nobody else. But nobody else. Yeah. And then Robert sees. And Robert sees. But I just I find it very timely mm. and topical for today. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I think it is, and it's interesting because you know I've heard some people say, "Well, are people like that at all?" Yeah. People are still like that, uh, especially in in parts of the country. You see that a lot. But there are many women who are still uh, haven't found their authentic nature, mm-hmm. and uh, and men as well who either live by obligation or guilt and not sort of their their own free passion. And so, to me, that's an interesting story that's timeless. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's 1950 or 2040. It's a it's about finding your passion and doing something you love. And then when you do that everything starts to change, you know, the quality of your days, you know, you do that in your work, you know what it's like, you love what you do, obviously, just from the way you talk about this film, I'm, I'm pretty impressed, oh. I'm really, I mean it, truthfully, you, you, you have a depth of caring about what you're doing, and that tells me that you love what you're doing, right, and it's the same way with me, I love what I'm doing, and so you can put those layers of depth into it, emotional depth and whatever, and you bring yourself to it, you bring your awareness to it, and that's if if I pick the right project, if I find the right Oren Moverman script, <laughs> uh, right, which are rare and, and few between, as you know, then then the nuance is already there on the page, and then you just add actors like David Denman, mm-hmm. who uh, wants the same thing that you want. He wants to play a character who is not a stick figure, who's not a stereotype, and that makes it. People that watch it are then so happy to see someone that they don't have to just paint with one color and isn't just painted with one color and it becomes much more like real life and that was Mark Turtletub talking about Puzzle in theaters in LA and New York this Friday um, I can't encourage you highly enough to see it next week we're going to have Colin Cunningham is going to join us to talk about Little Pink House you already heard Courtney and Ted Balaker on the show uh, for the film's theatrical release. Now it goes into DVD and I believe digital platforms as well. But Colin is going to be joining us to talk about uh, Little Pink House some more and we may have a few other surprises. So until next week I'm Debbie Elias. This is, oh and I have to say thank you again to Melanie Mayron, Brooke Adams, Piper Laurie, an unforgettable trio of ladies making this an unforgettable show. So until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. Mm-hmm.